Hey, DC fans, uh, it's Gary from Baden's Comics. Um, <laughs> I just want to let you know that uh, Burton's Comics is open and ready to serve you in Hamilton, Ontario, uh, down 725 Barton Street East. Um, coming for some deals on the weekend. Thanks. We are back once again. Uh, podcast Go. We are here. Of course, I am your host, the two-time, two-time Courage Pro Wrestling's commentator of the year. The best thing breathing, the greatest thing going. You don't need sliced bread because I'm around. You got Clowny J. I am joined by my uh, co-hosts. She is cute as can be, and she's, of course, gluten-free. She's the little one. And we, of course, are joined, as always, by... Uh, I am the most fantabulous, super awesome, uh, ultra cartwheeling mega K. Hey, 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 what? You are on why mustaches are better than beards, duty. I am doing the podcast today. We flipped a coin. Come on, man. You got to let me know. Shit. Oh, God. Damn it. Hate the multiverse. Shit. I am the fluffleupagus himself. I am the fright furball. And I am your co host, and which will be doing this one. But on the other duty, aw, I am. Demise. What up? Not much. We are, uh, Sean is just over at the microwave, heating up that magic bag, getting them meat cheeks ready. Oh, shit. Sean has got that magic bag, and it's not filled with meat because you don't smoke the meat. You smoke the weed. You smoke the green. And that's what's in our magic bag, our magic bag of tricks. And I got mine all rolled up fresh, of course, as always, and uh, ready to go and spew that news and reviews, of course, as always. But before that, what is new? <laughs> Aiken, what's on the happenings, kiddies? And it is a special Tuesday edition of the show this week. Tuesday? That's like Monday, but thrice as much. Uh, of course, we did experience some technical difficulties, but fear not. The feature creatures are, of course, here for you, uh, which just means that if you're listening to this Tuesday, we got another episode coming this weekend for you. Which is uh, just uh, all the better for you. And, of course, if you've been keeping up with uh, DC produ- uh, DC's productions as of late, you not only get fantastic new stories in uh, the Infinite Frontier arc, you get a Superman and Lois episode, new Flash episodes, uh, all around uh, DC shows, uh, comics, and everything like that, including ourselves, are just keeping you on the up and up. And the up and up, what we intend to bring is always. And with these podcasts so close together, how can things not get any better? Well, because this weekend we start our Superhero Girls uh, Marathon. God damn it. What is it? What are we just doing? We're just doing the movies for the reviews, right? Like that's, a, that's the primary we're thing we're doing. Specials. We're not doing all the different seasons. Uh, I didn't even put down the two Lego movies. I figured we would save that for when we actually get into the Lego films. I mean, why the hell not? I mean, the buildup's there, no pun intended. So, uh, so it'll be four weeks of superhero girls. It's superhero high, hero of the year, intergalactic games, and then legends of Atlantis. You know, the hero of the year thing reminds me of when um, uh, everybody voted for the side of doom during the whole justice versus doom war aspect thing before uh, the death metal came along. And I'm simply loving the whole um, Harley Quinn uh, books uh, angle that they took with that where they kept on presenting awards for villains like they were Oscars and shit, but the entire time 
the villain of the year was the most unspoken of men since fucking I think 2009 maybe and that's the flamingo he was the overall villain of the year oh Jesus that'd be like bringing back shame and making him villain of the year oh my lord but at the very least though you get a kick out of the flamingo like when you're first introduced to the guy, you get this dude in hot pink on a motorcycle who all of a sudden out of the blue just starts cannibalizing faces and killing people. And just he steps into the light of things and he kicks the shit out of the dynamic duo. Granted, this is the period where Grant Morrison was writing in Dick Grayson as Batman because Bruce was on his whole timeline. Hey, Barbados, I'm your Tinder date kind of shit going on. And uh, it was just a nice addition, especially when we were given the debut of Professor Pink during the period, too. Wild stuff. <laughs> Now, we did have a lot go down this past week. Uh, we got uh, a full page front and back, uh, as well as, of course, the ever-controversial Snyder Cut was released. Uh, what do so, we want to talk about? Do we want to do news first, or do we want to talk Snyder Cut? Well, if we want to talk Snyder Cut, I didn't personally delve into that because I've been watching TV, playing Magic and everything like that, and uh, just overall kicking back. I didn't even think of the Snyder Cut until I saw like uh, Twitter and everything like that, and then... I even got put behind watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia also as well. Um, I caught Light of the Falcon and Winter Soldier thing, but we'll get to that, though. Uh, I, you guys watched it. I trust your take on uh, the sort of thing when it comes to uh, DC's live-action movies. Uh, what's your what's your perspective on it? Like, What did you think of the overall like additions, the overall cut that was given to us by Snyder? Okay, so right off the bat, it's not perfect. Well, obviously, it's, it's a Zack Snyder. It's a Zach Snyder. Uh, they, you know, some of the questions that you start to have early in the film, they are answered later on. Okay. Uh, they were able to use this four-hour time slot wisely. They broke it down into seven parts or episodes, so I don't know why they just didn't release it week in, week out, uh, to keep themselves trending, like Shauna was saying. They should have taken a, a one-division approach to it and stretched the whole thing out with releases. You would have kept your numbers up, kept your trending going, but that's another thing. Yeah, that's a, that, we were um, given what we were given. With, with this padding, though, came a few questionable things, especially in the early chapters. Okay, all right. Uh, there's some shirt sniffing. Shirt sniffing? Literally. Yeah. Spoiler alert: If you uh, if you're like Mize and haven't seen the Snyder cut, uh, advance a couple of minutes, and we'll get back into the regular news stuff. Uh, but spoilers start now. Uh, so uh, the Aquaman recruiting scene where he says, "No, I'm not joining your team." That's still in there. Uh, however, towards the before he actually goes in the water, you know, he takes off his orange sweater, throws it onto the beach, so he can dive in. With the music. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to the music in a second. All the people of the village start walking around to watch him swim off, and they start chanting, like Icelandic song chanting for Aquaman. And this girl between 18 to 26 somewhere picks up his dirty, raggedy sweater off the beach, brings it to her face, and inhales it like a bong hit. Okay, so she goes, like, crazy groupie fangirl on this fucking shirt. Like, yeah. I, can understand, I can understand a Jason Momoa fangirl being like, you know, this thing grazed one of his fucking abs. I'm going to smell it, see if I get any wishes from it. But this gypsy Aquaman crap, like, what do you, you know, you only know is the guy who fucking dives into big waves. 
he's a he's an activist. What are you doing sniffing the shirt of an activist for? It either smells like a tree or it smells like it hasn't bathed in I don't know however long it takes for Hulk to have a bath. My guess would be it smells like fish. <laughs> smells like fish. This bitch could have gone to a McDonald's and just crushed up a fillet of fish and had a day of it. <laughs> you know, had to pick up some random dude's wet dog ass sweater. Uh, now, the chanting from the Icelandic singing isn't just in this scene. It's in every fucking chapter of the movie at random times when they're going into, like, the, the chanting becomes a joke to me after a little while, just about how often it's used. Like, why didn't they just have one set where he's, like, in a bar and the band playing is, like, Ailstorm or some shit? They do fucking sea shanties all the time. They, you could have had them doing that thing, but no. Apparently, wherever it is Arthur Curry comes from, every fucking denizen is a member of a cult. That sounds uh, absolutely creepy as fuck. Other notes I have here is it's a very Zack Snyder movie. Uh, every shot to establish emotion is done in slow motion with the blue tint uh, with a slow, sad song playing in the background. So it's kind of like a Jeff Loeb speech bubble. Pretty much. Uh, they did make sure to show Wonder Woman fly in the museum robbery scene. Okay. Like the museum terrace scene from the original cut, you do get to see Diana fly at one point, which I thought was a nice tie-in for 88. That's very good. That's very good. So it's her, like, legit, like, flying on her own or, like, flying the jet? Yeah, she flies straight up through the roof. That way she can throw the bomb into the sky. Oh, that's, that's crazy. All right. Okay. Uh, I noticed the Amazonian temple back on Themyscira uh, has the logo of the Star Sapphires on the roof. So they can't get a fucking lava lamp for the place. Live it things up. They're going to put the Star Sapphire logo on it. That's like a hard tease and a nice deep cut for uh, major comic fans, especially in line with the Green Lantern book. Oh, th there's more Green Lantern stuff to come. Don't worry. Uh, th the movie basically tells you that the Aquaman movie is not canon with this universe. Shut up. Even though they have the same actors, the same people in there, it's not canon. No. It is not canon whatsoever. What fucking page are these people on? Like, seriously. Uh, the original, like, the fight scene of the people of Earth, like the gods and the Themyscarans and the Atlanteans and all that fighting off Darkseid's army, uh, that scene got even more dope. They flat out admitted that god there. That was Zeus and Ares with them. Oh. <laughs> Ares okay. does the most damage out of anybody, and even he sends Darkseid packing. So is this fucking Ares the same Ares that was given to us in the original Wonder Woman film? Uh, it is the same Greek god Ares. Oh, okay. I was kind of expecting to see that same actor. Like, he's like, oh, shit, Darkseid. Oh, like, no, it's not the same actor. Th this dude looks more like something out of 300. All right. So I guess it was at least a period. So, of course, he would have, like, a different look. Right. But he looks like flat out the, the main dude from three, like, the this is Sparta dude from 300. Oh, like uh, fucking Gerard Butler's character, King Leonidas, yeah? Yeah, he looks uh, like a dead, dead oh. ringer for him. Oh my god, like I could have, Jesus Christ, could, I could just imagine the sheer aesthetic of a picture there, and it, it's fucking King Leonidas booting Darkseid into a fire pit of Apocalypse. Like, he won't die or anything, but it's just recreating that classic kicking scene from the movie, and or the comic book too, and it's uh, just really nice. 
Uh, and from there, of course, they do the whole uh, separating the three boxes. Uh, Amazons take one, Atlanteans take the other. And I'm sitting there going, motherfucker, Ares did the most damage out of anybody. How come the Greek gods didn't take the third box instead of giving it to the man of Earth? Oh, that's a that's an interesting way. That's an interesting way of looking at it. I see it as uh, they took it, um, probably because they're the most expendable. I mean, what what thorough purpose in history have they over any of the gods of Mount Olympus uh, in regards to just overall presence or influence? Whereas a course of action would primarily be an Amazonian thing. And throughout the DC universe, um, all men are of like different time frames that they've done uh, nothing but you know pretty much a stir shit, win fights. Uh, they've been pressing forward pretty much with uh, acts of violence and war. Uh, the Green Lantern in that scene does get a little bit more screen time, uh, although apparently the only thing he knows how to do with his ring is shoot little blast, uh, little like burst blasts, instead of creating anything from his imagination. Okay. Uh, however, that's not the only Green Lantern in the film. So, for Green Lanterns, have you got names for these guys? Uh, we've talked about this one before. It was the original Green Lantern? Uh, his ring went to Abin Sir. Okay. Uh, Yarn uh, Rog, I believe the name is. I remember him, yeah. Yeah, uh, so he's in the film. And there is another big name Green Lantern in the film. Well, this would be good. Uh, so in the trailers, we saw the destroyed Hall of Justice in that original trailer. Right. Kilowog is laying dead amongst the rubble. What? Kilowog. Kilowog was in this film. That's interesting. Holy shit. Like, um, well, I, I am at a loss for words on that one. I mean, like, it's uh, not a bad choice. I, I like to see Kilowog in comics, uh, on TV, cards, and everything like that. All the, time. the reason they use Kilowog over anyone else in the core is one, he's recognizable. Okay. And Zack Snyder wanted John Stewart, but Warner Brothers said, "No, we have plans to introduce the Green Lantern Corps our own way." Shit! No, they took a. There was talk at one point. Of course, uh, everyone knows this by now. Ryan Reynolds uh, even talked about this on his own Green Lantern watch along. There was a conversation, however, it never went anywhere. But Zack Snyder does consider Hal Jordan, like the Green Lantern, Ryan Reynolds film, to be uh, canon with his universe. Well, it does make sense, but you know, however readily available and capable for the role that he is, you know, it's something you can't just look over. Like, I'm so sorry to hear that you know you didn't get the chance to see any like uh, affirmative um, Earth relative Lantern action to take place, or even specific placement there. I gather you would have been like dying to see some shit like that, but. Uh, uh, we did get we did get a bit of a nod, I guess. You know, historically speaking, as well as uh, you know, uh, as amount of uh, good Easter eggs or uh, good references go. Uh, now, that's not the only hero that makes his debut during this. Uh, we do see the Martian Manhunt- Manhunter in his full green form. And how was he in this movie? Uh, useless. He nice. added nothing to the story. Okay. Uh, he shows up once mid-scene, 
uh, like mid movie for like a quick little second, and then he shows up at the very very end and says, "Yeah, I'm here too. If you ever need my help," and then flies away. Wow. Like what an addition to the team. Who who else would be brave enough or you know capable enough to have the uh, medic human ability to be there next time? Uh, and of course, there is the uh, the controversial nightmare sequence that was basically the backbone of the advertising for this is seeing that apocalyptic future. Uh, it's gotta, it's gotta needlessly go. tagged on at the end. Okay. The conversation between Joker and Batman is pretty decent. All right, uh, with with mentions of both Jason Todd and Harley Quinn kind of uh, kind of mandatory at this point, given a lot of the insinuation, the spoken of rumor, and uh, uh, it basically led to both of their inclusion. As for some reason, we were just never given more of what we've seen between uh, Suicide Squad and various Justice League outlets. And, and to me, the real star of the nightmare sequence is Death, or Deathstroke's Mohawk. <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like Colonel Sanders on a mission. Uh, but all in all, you know, uh, Ray Fisher has two moods okay. uh, angry and sad. Really? That's his cyborg. He's... That just, that just sounds uh, weird. However, the rest of the film, uh, I'm going to put it on record, it was decent. It filled, in a, it filled in a lot of the plot holes, and if you look at it as an episodic series instead of one movie, it makes it more digestible. They put up chapter cards in between, so we were pausing at, like, the 45-minute mark, getting a drink, smoking a bowl, walking around, going to the bat, and treating it like it was individual episodes. And sure, it took the, the day to watch, but it did make it a lot more digestible. That's a pretty interesting perspective. I, I gather... I gather you made the most of it after all uh, describing that specifically. So uh, I guess I should look at it from the point as uh, I was watching Daredevil director's cut as opposed to the original one there. You know, it's just a positive closure. Uh, Think of between the Daredevil director's cut and you need something to watch to binge for the day. You need, you wanted to binge watch a series for the day. I mean, especially after you finish an elongated one, and you make use just something to fill the void uh, so you have to move on to its newer information, newer uh, way of episodes and whatnot. Uh, now, uh, we have, I believe we've talked about this theory already, and I mentioned it to Shauna. Uh, the fun theory, I forget what website I saw it on, is that this is uh, part four of like a six part or seven part story. Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and Justice League are parts two, three, and four. Part five would be uh, Injustice. And then part one and six is Zack Snyder's Watchmen and Doomsday Clock. Yeah, all right. All right. I can see where I can see where he he could uh, you know, really throw that kind of shit together, but we shouldn't expect much from it then if it's... In- oh, no. You know, just just a fun theory, and it would be really, really funny 
because then it would show that removing the Justice Society, who we're getting soon, we'll talk about this in the news, uh, by removing them, you've removed all joy from the DC universe. Oh, shit. I don't like that. I like the DC. So, uh, spoiler alerts are done. Let's jump into news. I just mentioned Justice Society, so I'm going to kick it off right there. We're getting a fucking Hour Man movie. I thought that was a really intriguing announcement. You know, you don't expect somebody like Hour Man to get a movie, but then when you make a series like Stargirl, now you kind of hope that a character like that gets uh, like a big production, uh, especially when you go along using the original guy for it, which is just outstanding. Now, uh, with us getting people like Cyclone, Adam Smasher, Dr. Fate, etc. in the Black Adam film, and now our man getting his own film, could we be building towards a JSA movie? There's a good possibility of that. I mean, if you uh, use the multiverse correctly and you utilize the right people in the right like after, like after credits or mid-credits uh, scenes, you could go a long way with that. You know, you've already touched base like pretty fantastically when it came to uh, putting Ezra Miller on CW's uh, The Flash the last part of the crisis there. That was a really smart move. Uh, doing that again in the future opens the gateway to not just, you know, uh, an Outsiders movie, a uh, Justice League of America movie, but giving us a more uh, relatable touch on the golden age of heroes where uh, a lot of powerful names now were powerful names way back when uh, goofy as they looked, they were still like a prime team to base and yeah, I think it's a great idea Now speaking of people that get their movies coming up, Shauna actually has a couple of ones that I know she was excited about um, DC Zantana movie taps uh, a promising young woman um, Emerald uh, Fennel as, as their writer Emerald Farrell is in the running for multiple Oscars for promising uh, young women. And that's for the Zatanna movie that they've announced. Uh, they also announced, uh, like, we talked, we didn't know what the project was going to be, but it was released in a press release. Batgirl will be a movie. Yeah. I really hope it's like a Batgirl and Burnside type story. Uh, ignore the Joker thing. Don't do anything with that. Uh, but maybe have her go up against someone that would be an intellectual match for her as well. Uh, maybe Calculator or even the Riddler. Yeah, there's a lot of a uh, there's a lot of common uh, rogue gallery uh, members between Batman and Batgirl. But stemming into Batgirl is still too relative to Batman. So if they bring in somebody that's too close to Batman himself, and that's all people are going to think of, like. Uh, what's Bruce's place in this or what's Dick's place in this, uh, as opposed to, you know, asking the question right now, which should be, what is Barbara's place in this? Uh, how is she becoming Batgirl or, you know, how is she fighting crime like on her own? Uh, from there, you can make the mention of uh, Bruce Wayne separating off and everything like that, just fighting crime on her own, trying to stay out of uh, her dad's way. So she doesn't reach suspicion. You get a new face out of the blue. Um, everyone's like wondering where you're going in the middle of the night or some shit like that. Batman's wondering why the mic's totally fine. It's like right next to me. Oh, okay. You were dipping out in volume a little bit there. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry to hear shit. 
Uh, at any rate, uh, you go along and uh, you know pretty much uh, make them question her actions while she's chasing down something that she saw, but there's nothing to put where she saw it there except for when she saw it. Now, what if really? you use her father as a tie-in and bring in Professor Pig hunting down cops? That would that would be something, but then that would just draw Batman into that. How are you going to throw uh, a Batman into a movie that's supposed to be just Batgirl? Well, the same can be said about every Batgirl comic, then. That's absolutely true. At the very least, we're getting stories. We're getting stories revolving around uh, like whatever it is Oracle does, or whatever it is Barbara does as Batgirl, like with the Outsiders and whatnot. It's more of an obscure name back then, too, rather than like a, a mainstream memory we hold dear now. I, I don't see how. Like, she does absolutely nothing different intensity-wise uh, back then as she does now. So, actually, rather oh. surprised. Let's move on. Shauna, what else you got for us? Um, we were watching uh, Talking Dead, which is the Walking Dead's uh, thing after, after it. <laughs> Uh, I would and, imagine uh, so because I don't imagine zombies holding up a conversation very well. It, it, you know, it's a really good interview show. They had, uh, they had Ron Funches and Carrie Payton on this week. Carrie Payton, of course, plays King Ezekiel on Walking Dead. But oh, that's not where I was going, but okay. Um, he actually made a uh, joke about uh, him playing um, uh, Cyborg because somebody said that they wanted uh, a Cyborg uh, yeah, the fan question of the week was if you could cross over any TV show with The Walking Dead as a one-off special or comic book. And the fan suggested he wanted to see, like, the Teen Titans. That way Cyborg and King Ezekiel could meet. Uh, so Carrie Payton, in true fashion, gave us the good booyah. And then explained to everybody that... that he's been now inside, what, 18 years yeah. now? Yep. So that was a fun little mention. Uh... But what I was going with is um, Robert Patrick, who is uh, the Terminator um, T-1000. T-1000. He announced oh. on it that he is going to play Augie Smith in the upcoming HBO series Peacemaker. Oh, okay. I think I, I think it's going to be kind of cool. Yeah, so you know, Talking Dead has been a nice little uh, DC hidden gem for information right now. Well, that's pretty interesting, you know, uh, having already these pre-existing ties by Harry's uh, way there. And just going in further to it, you know, you never know who you can really include. Voice actors make hell of a, like, live-action actors, too. Right? Take, take Ben Schwartz, for example. He, he was in the better part of uh, Parks and Recreation, and he was also Sonic the Hedgehog. He was also Leonardo in that uh, Ninja Turtle show that only lasted two seasons. Wild stuff. All right, Shauna. What else do I have here? Star Girl released their first video uh, uh, photos of Eclipso. Yeah, did you see the photo of Eclipso? I did not. So he's played by Nick Terraman from Spartacus Crash, and he's Captain Boomerang in on Arrow. Man. So that means he was on Spartacus. Does that mean his penis is going to be out? Does that means his penis is not going to be out. No, there will be no penis, sir. Thank God. Scare me with that show. Jesus Christ. Penis <laughs> everywhere. 
Captain that. Boomerang. Zack <laughs> <laughs> um, Snyder revealed um, the Justice League Ad- Adam uh, spinoff that he had an idea for. To, uh, yeah, Br- Brian Troy was a big inclusion with this film as well. Uh, just as like a little sea story in the science labs going on, but it was cool to see Ryan Choi. <laughs> a little story. I did that on purpose. <laughs> uh, uh, what else? A good the way to get them. What was it? The Rock? Oh, The Rock reveals Black Adam script, like the opening page. Yeah, he showed the, the opening page of the Black Adam script on Instagram. Cool. Well, I'm totally down for seeing all this commitment towards it and uh, Infinite Frontier's recent inclusion of Black Adam in the Justice League title. That's a big one to head into face first, you know, opening up a brand new arc and shit. And the multiverse has been on all kinds of twists with us over the last few years, ever since the Dark Side, really. It is, uh, well, it's something. I'm not too sure what to make of uh, everywhere it is they plan on going. Sean is going to sneeze. <laughs> There we go. Bless you. Um, Supergirl casted a young cat uh, Grant for the season finale. Her name is Eliza Helm. Yeah, they're going to do some kind of flashback with Cat Grant, I guess, and that the caster. Oh, that's, a, that's all right, then. No, I look uh, forward to seeing all the uh, I have not seen the episode yet because the season has been a trudge to get through. <laughs> uh, however, in uh, what is last night's Batwoman episode, Kate Kane appeared. They recast Ruby Rose. Oh, shut up. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Universe's Kate Kane, or if they're doing a Crisis on Infinite Earths, like Crisis version. Maybe it's the one where, um, remember the sister came back for a while, uh, Alice? Yeah, came maybe back it's that Earth. You never, you never know. All I know at this point is they recast Ruby Rose. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Come on. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Like, stop digging that show's hole so bad. Oh, my God. All Dude, the had... entire Alice storyline is just a retelling of White Canary. Except for she, yeah, even down to she has uh, red hair like uh, the season one in season one. Okay. Like, they look exactly identical in everything. She uh, has to go on an island. She falls in love with the guy that's there. She was in, on a yacht. It's just like Being everything. trained by assassins. And she's oh. dating a girl that looks exactly and sounds exactly like, <laughs> like uh, Talia Ghul. Talia Ghul. It was, it's horrible. I gotta, I gotta take a moment to sigh about this. This is just... <laughs> This is fucking terrible. Oh my god! Watched one episode the yesterday or last week's episode, and we were going to watch this week's, but it was so bad. Even I, by the end, I was making fun of it. Why no, are they so when they recast Ruby Rose, and apparently they're uh, teasing Black Mask showing up. So that might pique my interest for a few minutes. I mean, they've dropped False Face on me, so. Bringing in Black Mask at the beginning of the season would have been the most prominent thing to do. 
instead of focus uh, instead of focus uh, solely on thrashing the ever loving shit out of Tommy Elliot's Bruce Wayne face. Like that face, like Thomas Elliot posing as that, being imprisoned by the Bat Family to do so while Bruce was gone, has been nothing short of a stroke of genius. And they should have kept with that shit, especially under the fucking order of Roman Sionis leading so close, closely to the Bat Family. It's there's just so much suspense to that, and they completely just fucking threw it out the window. Okay, maddening, I tell you. What do you got there, Shauna? Um, okay, this one's a long one. Um, Ava Duvernay. Duvernay's superhero uh, DC drama Naomi has casted uh, three of their upcoming t- uh, um, actors for the, their TV show. For the lead role, they casted a Casey Wolf, uh, Wolf Fall, who's been oh. on like Persons of Interest and Army Wives. Uh, for Zubato, they casted Cranston Johnson, who plays Deshaun on Atlanta, Officer Brick on Constantine TV show. Um, oh. oh, wait, there's four. Uh, for D, they casted Alexander Raff, who plays, I believe, Red Sun on Orange is the New Black in a fire, uh, fighter pl- pilot on Mandalorian. And for, I cannot say this name. Uh, Lords. Lords. They casted the singer Camilla um, Morno. So the cast is shaping up for Naomi for the CW series. That's interesting. Perfect. Anything and else the for last Shana? The thing I have is the Gotham Knights uh, game has been delayed till next year. Till 2022. I remember yeah. seeing that. Um, I'm okay. I'm okay with them. You know, taking the time needed to finish the game because you know. Uh, exactly. You can't run games anymore. Yeah, without finishing their shit, and then they try to sell us finished product as DLC, and that. I feel is a big pain in the ass. Like I appreciate the patchwork and updates and everything like that in the meantime, but just uh, putting something in to get by for a little while is nothing compared to you know finishing your shit. So anybody that's you know in a rush to get something done, just delay your shit if you know it's not going to be done. People are going to be like, "Ah, oh, crap, my game's not ready yet," and they're just going to sit there and wait like they did in the first place. So it's not nothing. Yeah, and the last thing we need is another Square Enix Avengers where just the story mode is good and then as soon as you're done that, everything else just falls apart. (laughs) DLC comes out another 20 years later. Yeah, I wasn't even able to use any of the DLC because it kept crashing my game. No Hawkeye, no Kate Bishop. I haven't even touched them. You see the uh, introduction trailer for fucking Black Panther? I stopped paying attention. Um, the video for that is actually really cool. I just wish they would have put that much initial effort into it in the first place. But uh, it's a nice appeal, you know? You feel like checking it out, and by all means, look it up later. The, it introduces Black Panther, Claw, uh, some further delving into the Marvel Universe, and a nice aesthetic of a uh, Wakanda, like at least a bit of it. I think you'll be impressed uh, by looking. 
find most and that is it for news this week unless you got some more for us uh, I just wet fart earlier I swear to god I thought I pooped myself but you know what I checked high five just just butt sweat Good. just a little sweat butt just a little sweat butt you know I worked my butthole up a little bit I thought there was some spice rain coming down and uh, forecast was wrong didn't need no umbrella no squirtage under the meat cheeks ah. No squirtage for this nudage. Shauna's is giving me a look because I've been saying the term meat cheeks all day. Well, Shauna, you might want to check for cheese every day because cheese is a wily villain and it will lurk between your butt cheeks at random times. You don't know when it will strike. Or... Uh, what about for uh, what you're reading this week, Mize? What'd you pick up? Uh, I still got to go to Gary for new title stuff, but uh, I went to um, alternative outlets recently, just can you, you know, taking the opportunity to shop around a bit. And I wound up paying 12 bucks for volumes um, three, four, and five of Super- of the Superman Wonder Woman run. I think it was like from 2018 or some shit like that, but either way, you know, I got a good couple issues in my hands there. Uh, I picked up uh, Infinite Frontier stuff um, recently, though, in the eyes of uh, Joker, Batman, um fairly certain that was it for the Infinite Frontier stuff at the very least. I know I picked up uh, Thunderbolt because I'm really enjoying them. And where I pick up? Oh yeah, they started this X-Men book, Children of the Atom, and it's just so bland and X-Men-like until the very end, and it finally takes a sharp twist and it ends the book. I'm like, okay, I see what you did. Alright, uh, I'll come get you. Um, aside from that, uh, I finished reading... Uh, did I get as well? Uh, I can't remember what I got as well after the Justice League Dark stuff. Um, crap. I can't, I can't even remember the old stuff. Man, this is why I stick to new stuff. It's easier to remember. It is. Um, that's pretty much it, though, in uh, that line. Um, and uh, did, you pick, did you get anything good for, like, uh, collectors? You reading anything new? Nothing new. Uh, we are still in the red zone, so we haven't really done anything. Um, I got gifted an MJF figure. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, it was from our mutual friend there, you know. He's like, you know, just as a way of saying thanks, a friend of mine uh, was uh, selling a few extras he had of these, and he just wanted to get rid of these for really cheap. So I thought I'd pick up this one. I know you'd really like it. It was, the like, the only AEW figure I'd want, too. I've seen a couple of people uh, from my past. Uh, uh, I knew him as superstar, superstar Sean Morgan, uh, Big Ben Ortman's from Crossbody Wrestling. He picked, he pre-ordered the MJF, or sorry, not the MJF, the Darby Allen figure. The skateboard only came with two wheels. Stop. Oh. It only had the front trucks attached to it. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> That's terrible. So he's like, hey, you know, it's a factory defect now, so it makes it even more valuable. That is true. Take that, production people, or whoever. Whoever makes the damn thing. I would be, I, I would still be pretty upset. You know, I expect the full figure, and these, these parts aren't even floating around in the box room and shit like that, so I don't get no way of packing it. Then it just took all the fun away from it. God damn them. Damn them. 
So that is it for Collector's Corner. Uh, of course, we just ordered our shirts last week, so they have not yet arrived. Uh, don't expect them until mid-late April, because it said like 15 business days at least. So, uh. But that is all we've got before we get into the movie. Anything else from you, sir? No, just that it's uh, been really nice out here in Hamilton, Ontario, like uh, just uh, weather-wise. It uh, warmed up for a little bit. Yeah, we hit plus 20 today. Yeah, plus 20. We got like 16 to 18. I think it was uh, for Saturday and earlier on in Sunday. It was still really nice out today, too. If this keeps up, we're going to have to open the pool like by mid-late April instead of waiting until May or June. Mom wants to open it uh, soon, like on open, I think. She's got to quit doing her fucking cartwheels or whatever. So with that, uh, what, what do you say we cut to our Batman sound effect and we come back and review Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans? Yeah, sound effect away. Back at it again. Back at it with our news and reviews. Now on the review side, we're in it with the Teen Titans versus the Teen Titans Go. This is a magical ass adventure, I'll tell you. What is the nice touchdown in the multiverse and um, a great way to introduce the Teen Titans go into uh, the official bleed, as it were, of the DC Universe. Yeah, this movie's got a lot of uh, great jokes to it. Again, it's one of those times that I say, I, I don't know why people try hate on the Teen Titans Go universe. They know how silly and over the top they are and they lean into it. I have a favorite musical number. I have a favorite line. I'm sure everyone else does too, because the movie wasn't bad by any means whatsoever. No, and even the non-regular voice cast is fantastic, such as the two roles played by Weird Al Yankovic. Both the Gentleman Ghost and Dark Side of the movie. Uh, short little parts as they were, it was still nice to have them there, you know? So let's jump into it. Of course, we get the Daffy Duck, you know, hammering himself intro to show you what kind of movie it's going to be. Uh, but we got the regular DC Universe intro instead of the Titans 5 version that we saw last time. I think it would have made more sense to use the Titans 5 version we saw last time. To me, it said, you know, it's a multiverse. We're going to get different aspects. So get used to these kind of shifts. They've been getting different aspects for the last five, like four or five seasons before that movie. Well, we do start off and we are in the Goverse, as I've got it written down. And of course, there is crime afoot. Absolutely. There's a bank robbery to be had by one gentle Al Yanko ghost. Uh, he's uh, given uh, some most rude tasering and uh, he's just a sheer gentleman about everything. Like they really pandered the whole like gentleman aspect of gentleman ghost and still to be just cooking up shenanigans like it's one of those scenarios where like oh ren and stimpy you old booze is just an adorable little touch on a like a, a surprise c-list villain and then we get some nice stylized credits uh that going back if you look at them they basically just tell you the entire movie in a two-minute credit sequence yeah it's just a little sneak peek montage uh, that's monocolored for a lot of uh, character representation and uh, the score behind it was really cool, too. I felt like, once again, they really matched up uh, 
the opening to visual aspect with its audio aspect quite nicely, especially for the Teen Titans Go at that. Eh? And this is where we do see Gentleman Ghost uh, robbing the bank. Uh, you know, the bank teller pulls basically an Ethel Beavers from Parks and Recreation. <laughs> basically being like, what, you're just going to rob me? You don't have a weapon or anything? And just tases the host body for Gentleman Ghost. So the, so the Teen Titans make their way in afterwards. Uh, you guys want to get a little bit of a funny spot out of that, really. Like, who goes to rob a bank without a fucking weapon? You point your finger at your thumb, I'm sure that'll get you a sack of uh, so when the Teen Titans come in, we get a pretty interestingly, like, just serious confrontation between us right off the bat. And, uh, of course, Gentleman Ghost pulling his Gentleman Ghost ways, he's primarily intangible. So none of the Titans, if uh, by closer any mean whatsoever, are able to touch him. Uh, the least they could do is prevent the physical object from being carried a certain distance away by knocking it, you know, from whatever force is carrying it, I guess. So... For some reason, uh, the Birdarang just seemed to loose his grip on the bag and cause it to drop it every time it happened, and it just became repetitive for a bit. Titans could see the, the smug little assholes they are. They were enjoying every second of that. Uh, Yanko Ghost uh, decides to just have enough of it. So he puts the possess on Robin, and he borrows him a spell, as he put it. So um, the Titans chasing the, the possessed Robin out. They're stuck in a hilarious revolving door setup, and I thought that was just adorable for that. Uh, no, you missed a couple of little things here that I thought were great. Yeah, it, it's a really fast-paced movie, so a lot of the funny stuff does slip past you. Uh, however, when uh, they were yelling at Gentleman Ghost for robbing the bank, they were saying, hey, if you need uh, money, you just get a job, or do what we do and mooch off of Robin. And Robin says... Yeah, and Robin's like, yeah, you should... Wait, no, you shouldn't do that either. That is true. The, the, cyborg and be, the cyborg and Beast Boy shenanigans, they never stop. So uh, having that little nudge on to spending Robin's trust fund um, half the time without him knowing. And uh, it's very clear that they're dependent by some financial force that isn't of the city because what kind of city pays for a superhero to destroy it fighting, quote, bad guys, quote. And also when Gentleman goes does possess Robin, we get a peek inside of Robin's inner ego. That I thought was a really interesting touch there. That's right. Uh, right on the possession, you just get all these different variations of how Robin sees himself. Views himself, including a giant gold statue and a version of himself that has become Batman, which spanks the giant gold stat statue on the bike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, missed, I missed up on that. Yeah, I didn't miss that part. I really trying to forget that part because even that part you know creeps me out what is a 12 year old boy doing thinking of himself like that yeah. it's madness well uh you know the possession of robin does not work for long gentleman ghost moves on to starfire and her mind's all rainbows and kitties and that's too much for him that's right they catch up to him because he was helping an old lady across the street because it's a gentlemanly thing to do and yes. got him all tangled up with everybody. So taking over Starfire was a more beneficial way to go. Now he could fly, match strength with other Titans, and uh, be a lot more formidable than being in Robin's form. Um, so uh, Yanko, Yanko Star is halted by Raven, who immediately is, uh, he's immediately intrigued by Raven's power right off the bat. He's like, okay, okay, 
I did not think it got better from here. And he goes on to possess Raven. And when he steps into her her yard, things are a lot different than how Robin sees the, how Robin sees himself or his surrounding environment. You know, aside from ego, there's a little bit of a darker twist on Raven's mind, of course. Um, you know, just poking around and where he lands, he lands in a sea of blood, like a little river of blood. Last time I saw that shit happen, I was watching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Uh, if you like the anime, you'll know where I'm talking about. But uh, where he's at, he's just looking around. There's little to no light anywhere. And he catches beyond a bit of a glow of a, her crystal there. That there, or Sorry, he goes into this vault area, and that leads to this uh, crystal, which matches the one on her forehead. Uh, so he goes uh, and has a tinker with it, which is off. It was just an awful idea awful idea to even be in that titan specifically but you know he had to he had to go his way he had to test the ego on it and boy was he in trouble he cracked the fucking diamond inside uh, the little shard there inside of a raven's mind and it started releasing her energy uh, the dark force that she's worked so long to hold back although the crystal's actual like purpose was imprison trigon but uh, i guess they changed it around for similar reasons and better ways to use trigon in the cartoon yeah in the goverse trigon is his own being that you know as we saw he's walking around as we'll see he's wearing fancy sweater vests so he's not trapped in raven's mind in this if i could compare him to anybody he is the agatha heart agatha harkness of uh teen titans go uh mixed with a little danny tanner (laughs) why that's he does have a danny why are they hating on danny tanner why, why do the Teen Titans have to beat up Danny Tanner? Fuck you, Teen Titans. How dare you beat up Danny Tanner? He's like Danny Tanner with Fraser Crane's fashion sense. God bless that demon. Jesus Christ. Why does everybody want to beat up Trigon all of a sudden? He's clearly a dapper dresser and has a very good parental manner, so I don't see what the issue is. But of course, they keep cutting back to the Titans, uh, checking on Raven, and she's just staring off into space like she's on a handful of mushrooms. She's fucking <laughs> lunch guy. She is completely gonzo, and uh, the Titans just, you know, messing around about it. They're having a laugh. They're drawing big mustaches on her. And, um, oh, Lord, the ambition from just Gentleman Ghost being blown out of Raven's mind uh, was... Uh, an absolute surprise. It was uh, difficult to make sense of at first, and then, as a Teen Titans fan, remembering uh, Raven's demonic capabilities, especially being let go like that, is a real fundamental force to be reckoned with in the DC universe. So, seeing that did not bear good news to believe. Well, the Titans seem to think it's great news as they consider it her leveling up as if she had just enhanced her stats on a video game. That's right, because the inner demon that came out was the form of like this weird dragon of Azeroth or whatnot, and it, it completely blew <laughs> Gentleman Ghost to hell. Like, it took him out. He just got blown out of the water. It was madness. Um, yeah, he vanishes never to be seen or heard from again. Yeah, for like com- legit committed murder. Which still the Titans found fucking fantastic because they're just approaching Raven like nothing's wrong. They, they happen to notice a bit of a change. She's a mindless, roaring uh, monster with the, with destructive forces within her. But they still manage to uh, communicate with her and really connect with Raven on a personal level enough for her to you know realign that attachment 
and come back to her humanity, uh, taking her normal form. Uh, of course, uh, Raven's all like, the fuck are you looking at? And uh, they are just absolutely baffled by this transformation. They show her uh, a gift that was made of her, too, of her just blowing gentleman goes to hell. Or sorry, no, it was just plain old footage. It gets turned into a gift later, which was just absolutely hilarious. Which is great because of Cyborg. It just shows you how versatile Cyborg is. Cyborg has the capability to traverse the multiverse, speak to uh, um, like technology of eugenesis, and be an overall powerhouse. But instead, his entire body is made up of toasters, jukeboxes, uh, cassette players, uh, meatball cans. A waffle maker. A waffle maker. Oh, good lord. What else does he have? Jesus Christ. Oh, he mentioned him, sir. room for Robin, apparently. Yes. The body of Vic Stone in this universe is questioning. It's it's trying, to say the least. But it's hilarious, though. We let it pass as it is. Well, Raven is then seen in her room uh, trying to get her head straight. What I thought was cool was, because it's Raven... Uh, take a look at her walls. You see, like, random skulls and demons, but you also see posters for Etragon and Zatanna. Yeah, they're really laying down the foundation of uh, just building off the stereo of DC's magical side, um, which has a lot of popular names for those who are fans of DC's uh, more mystical aspects, which is pretty badass, but um, she seems to be wanting to communicate with her subconscious, uh, which is a really weird uh, given the circumstances for her. So she's wanting to communicate with this uh, and uh, it just pretty much a, well, it doesn't agree. It, uh, it, it has been offended, I guess, from when Gentleman goes cracked at it and it hasn't been the same since that point. And instead of being able to communicate well with her demon in the mirror, she gets a visit from, uh, what are we going to call him? Uh, demon, demon Tanner? Um, Danny Trigon, I guess. D- Danny Trigon in his pink sweater vest. All right, that is how we're going to tell the difference between the two Trigons. This is Danny Trigon, and uh, the other one... Big Triggy. He's Triggy. Big Triggy. Big- it's something they actually call them later. Big Triggy, Triggy, Big T. Oh, my God. We call him Big T. Uh-huh. To me, the best part of this entire mirror conversation is when she, uh, she turns the mirror around because she doesn't want to face him, and there's a sticker for Mirror Master's Mirrors on the back. I love that little advertising bit. <laughs> As if, besides being um, a locally renowned idiot villain, Mirror Master just has an actual legit side business selling mirrors. <laughs> Next thing you're going to tell me is Charles Brown is actually out there selling kites. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Ah! So, uh, Trigon wants her to ditch her life as a hero. Uh, she needs to be by her father's side, conquering universes, causing total chaos and destruction. But Raven is all human and doesn't see any of this as fruitful as her father does whatsoever. So, of course, shunning him is the primary option. Um, she. Well, as well as the boy wonder, the wombat. That's what that's what Trigon was referring yes. to. Robin, uh, whatever Robin is, and then I think a wombat. <laughs> okay, and that comes back later too, which is great. We can even use that to defer between the two Robins. Teeth Titans go. Robin will be the wombat, and then there will be Robin. 
the serious handsome Robin. <laughs> and then the serious or handsomer Robin. It just keeps going oh, up. We'll, we'll get to that. We will get to that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so, uh, oh, Jesus. It's been a it's been a heck of a way for Raven the last little bit. Um, Trigon's aware of the, of the Demon Awakening who will damage Shard, uh, holding her demonic side. Um, he's offering to relieve her of this powerful essence so she can live the normal life. And, of course, as tempting as that is, Raven... Uh, once again, just shunned them. Besides, nobody should have this power. So she rather nobody had it than he had it. It's still a it's still a pretty powerful hate relationship for the DC universe. At least they kept that much amongst all the joking and everything. So uh, we get a little bit of like just an ominous moment too, where uh, the face of the actual Trigon just kind of appears on the floor there. I thought that was really nice. Uh, after that, though, in the living room area, Robin's throwing on this uh, VR training simulator thing, uh, and uh, it's to simulate a fighting game by, you know, our point of view. But for him, it's like an actual, like, a uh, training simulator. So he pops. He's up. playing injustice. Yeah, he's playing, he's playing injustice. He has the game set on uh, hardest, and he chooses himself as the as his enemy because he feels as though nobody else can match him but himself. Well, and you know, he's doing pretty good, uh, except for the part where his counterpart starts throwing birdarangs at his balls. Yeah, <laughs> they do still have a couple of comical aspect of it, um, just like the cartoon. But then Robin is able to turn his bow staff into a sword, comes flying down at his AI counterpart, and just stops midair. <laughs> he's swinging about and. VR game is just confused as fuck as to what's going on. Um, so uh, they're messing around with it even more, and it's just taking health away from them. And the VR system is just losing its mind. It's like, what is going on here? I don't even know. I'm confused. <laughs> and that kind of like action packed confusion was absolutely hilarious to me. Uh, and we cut to, it turns out Cyborg is holding Robin up in the air. Yep. <laughs> he's a very, he's very disappointed in Cyborg for doing it, but Cyborg's a hero and did it for the benefit of all of us. So I think we know who's Cyborg to be on this case. Yeah, Robin's basically saying, look, we just got to level up like Raven did. And that's when they pull out the level up gift that we talked about. And Cyborg's like, I can level up at any time. Look, now I have a toaster. He legit does. He just puts a toaster on himself. And he's like, there. Like, what do you want? <laughs> it was the funniest shit ever. Harry um, Payton fucking kills me. As the as Cyborg and Teen Titans go, he kills me every time he opens his mouth. Uh, he's either shouting about it or doing something just poetically hilarious. That when uh, Ron Funches and him were talking on Talking Dead, uh, they actually brought up the film that we reviewed last week of Teen Titans Go to the Movies because Ron Funches said his favorite line in anything in history is hearing uh, the Teen Titans go, I think his dad's a cop. Run. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, no, after, of course, Cyborg does integrate the toaster, uh, we get a sky portal open up. 
Yeah, it seems as though Cyborg upgrading has upset the balance of the multiverse. And uh, as uh, the sky turned a nice magenta, the ship hovered above there. Uh, some intruders, um, well, I guess forceful guests, we'll call them. Uh, they bombarded Ninjas. the place. Yeah, they bombarded the place, and uh, they had figures all too familiar, of course. Um, we all know who they were underneath the weird ski gear. And uh, they each took to their own respective counterparts and uh, to a lot of like really cool action-packed surprise points. Took a couple of certain titans there. He's like, wait a minute, I recognize this. Uh, I recognize myself in this aspect. Like, wow, that's all too familiar. But all too sudden. So uh, they end up uh, they end up failing uh, the attempt to defend themselves on this, and they get taken in, taken into a place all too dark. Unpolite. Yeah, until they are greeted by a floating sorry piece from the from the- like a little game piece from the sorry game shows up, and we have the games or uh, the master of games. Oh. He's after he's after one thing. Uh, he was he's there getting titans, you know, just kidnapping folk, and he's there for one thing: a smaller forehead. Uh, that was nice, but uh, no, he's there to find the best version of each hero. He needs the apparently he needs to find the best the multiverse has to offer, the most powerful team of teen titans out there, and in which case uh, is a more definitive one of the most definitive points for uh, the introduction of the multiverse in a, a Teen Titans Go uh, serious situation. So Yeah, so the, the Titans start figuring it out, going, okay, so there's an Earth version where we're all steampunk, or an Earth version where we're all animals, and Cyborg starts getting excited about the idea of a Cy Bunny. Yeah, he, call, he called them the Protein Titans. Uh, and then we get a nice look at as they're explaining the multiverse, and we're seeing all the different animated versions of Batman that we've had over the years. Oh yeah, uh, he used uh, he used those images to explain the concept of his combat system. You have these uh, variables uh, go at each other in contest, and uh, whoever comes out on top, well, you know the rest from there. But it had a nice little portrayal going through various incarnations, like Brave the Bold, sixties to uh, the nineties animated Batman, which of course came out on top. It's the most popular one in today's day and age, so it's no wonder. But uh, it was a good way to explain uh, his whys, and uh, the whats were explained by means of him introducing them to the Warlagog, the magical device that allowed him to traverse the bleed of the multiverse and uh, acquire any peoples or any objects of uh, you know, specific attention, in which case uh, in this story would be the Titans by whichever Titan is that. But uh, more or less, I, you know how the story goes and which specific one they want, but it's just nice to have uh, all this multiple inclusion. Yeah, the Teen Titans from the Teen Titans Trouble in Tokyo film that we reviewed a couple episodes ago were the abductors. Uh, And we get a nice little shot of the crowd in the Thor Ragnarok style arena, including a guy with what looks like a My Little Pony t-shirt on and an anti-Teen Titans Go sign yelling about how how they ruined his childhood. Sound familiar, people? So, uh, 
Robin uh, says, we're going to do this. You know, we're going to show them that we're the best. You know, we'll face anybody. And, you know, uh, the Mog, he's all, hey, you know what? It just so happens I have a spare version of you guys right over there. And we uh, get a nice little kickback to the stylings of uh, the Teen Titans of old. Uh, the familiarity, of course, the voice acting being spot on, the same white actors and you know, everything. And it's just a shock and awe moment for the uh, miniaturized Titans. Uh, they're looking on their like, holy shit, when did we get a supersize button and why did they get like, yeah, they, they start automatically referring to the bigger Titans as the serious versions. I mean, look at their Robin. He's five heads tall. Look at you. You're only three heads tall. There's yeah. constant jokes and references to them being like a bobblehead version of them, too, which is a, a kind of true for some characters. But uh, when it comes to their aesthetic... You would think Bunko would have been all over that. <laughs> Like, paying money to say, instead of Bobblehead, call them the Funko version. They're the Funko Pop version of us. Easy money. Easy money. So, uh, they're looking Easy on their money to be a bit left on the table. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of, that's a lot of good money. So, uh, they're looking them up and down, and they're, you know, giving them the old checking outs, and uh, they even make, uh, like, fun pokes and prods at uh, the whole baby hands thing with their regular sized hands. And uh, Robin is just mind blown by it. Absolutely mind blown by regular size hand. I mean, it's a nice little touch if you like the baby hand joke on a regular basis. Which is just a great animation joke. Uh, however, I do like how tall Robin uh, looked at the others and like, you know, I originally thought that this was the baby version of us, but I'm starting to think that they're just the jerk version. Yeah, they are. <laughs> oh, man. It's true, too, because all of their behavior throughout their past seasons have been nothing but shenanigan insinuating. Now, the pairs do fight off, or they're supposed to fight. However, the two ravens just walk up to each other and they're like, hey, hey. Yeah, um, the serious Robin, uh, Robin tried talking to the wombat about, you know, his distrust of the Master Games mod and how he might have some kind of ulterior motive of mind, and... <laughs> The wombat is just like, yo, fuck you, buddy. I'm the best. <laughs> so he's having a completely different conversation with him. And that was just the funniest shit ever. Because their encounter when they first start off after the bell ring is just um, the wombat getting his ass kicked by the boy Wonder. And it has been an absolute delight watching him kick his own ass like that. So there was Teen Titans Go Robin who hyped to fight himself. He has this um, grandstanding ego that's everlasting throughout the seasons. And it, he's uh, neglecting Raven's inability to fight or use her powers um, because of uh, the broken shard and, and you know, calling forth her inner demon, causing more damage than may have impossible the gift of death to her friends. Um, but he really doesn't care about any of that. And then you got actual Rob. He just wants to help uh, get, him, get him and his friends back to their home universe safe and sound. So all he wants to do is find a way to fight this guy. I can see why they call him Dirk Titan. Uh, now the two Starfires are about to start fighting when uh, the tall Starfire asks the little one, do you have a Silky too? Oh. And the two girls just start bonding over their shared loves. And how much do you eat? 
<laughs> as much as my nine stomachs can handle. It's easy to just, you know, like, hey, you know, we don't actually have to fight. And as soon as he drops the guard, we're going to take his ass. Like, it could have been that simple. But for the other guys, uh, it went a little differently than that. So aside from Robin's befuddling around, there was uh, the encounter of the Beast Boys, which was all set to go in uh, a war of the animal kingdom. You know, you get this fantastic uh, encounter. Uh, these two characters about to rip each other apart. And then each time Beast Boy, the little Beast Boy transformed, the, the um, older Beast Boy transformed into something bigger and he kept screaming about it. I'm like, come on. It, dude, it's, like, and that was followed up by Cyborg, the Cyborg battle in which our, you know, jerk Cyborg decides, you know what, I've got something just in mind for you. Loads up his big cannon, gets all angry and shoots the tall one with a glitter bomb. Oh my god, I thought he had like a serious moment we were about to see fucking Big Stone just MVP this entire fight. Nope. He just spanks them with cosmetics. And the toll was like, are you serious? Hey, hey, you may think this is a joke, but in a month, you're gonna you're still gonna find glitter and you'll be like, how'd this get there? Cyborg. <laughs> To which the big cyborg pulls out a weapon and yells booyah. Yeah. The Bullshit. jerk cyborg then complains, hey, that's my line. And the big one retorts with, huh, it was mine first. See, that's some injustice style banter right there. That's fun. That's absolutely fun. So oh yeah, the cyborgs to me were the MVPs of this. Oh my god, their dialogue and actions alike. Uh, everything they were involved in was just madness. So um, the Starfires then decide, you know what? We don't have to actually get physically violent with each other. What do we do? Because one, two, three, four, we declare the thumb war. And it was, it wasn't just like a regular like hand game. You know, they went to thumb war with each other. As, as the thumbs were battling it out, a test of speed and strength, they started firing off lasers at each other while they were doing it. But the thumb so artfully, like dexterous, kept on dodging it out, kept fighting uh, their uh, counterparts. Until finally, there was a bit of a slip up, and uh, well, the uh, Starfire Teen Titans go got the better, made the pin on that, and just you know, slam Boo right out the ring right after her thumb war victory, like a cheap piece of shit. That was totally fun. I loved seeing the aspect of something funny and silly uh, be taken into like a test of strength matter. And then all of a sudden they got more serious by the winner getting to slam the loser against the ground and blasting them like right out of the ring. After the Starfires did their thing, um, the uh, Beast Boys were at it again, you know, same old uh, animal-like behavior in a hilarious fashion. So uh, there was a little bit of playing possum hat as the Beast Boy went Operation Cutie Patootie, turned into a kitten. And Beast Boy of the original Titans, you know, he's like, you can't expect this to work on me. I'm not going to fall for like the, hey, I'm cute trick. And then, well, the empathy kicked in. His animal instincts of, you know, no danger and all is good, bro, kicked in. He's like, oh, the cute kitty. And then all of a sudden, fucking whale bam, boom, he got the drop on him. The whale was the smile on the whale. <laughs> that was just the funniest shit I have ever seen. <laughs> this is when we get the first hint 
really towards what I think was Shauna's favorite running joke of this whole film because Starfire then go Teen Titans go Starfire goes to attack tall Robin and he just looks at her and she starts giggling and walks away. Oh, she melted. That was it. Like Robin doesn't have deep vision, but Starfire melted. Yeah, he just stops and looks at her and gives her a little grin and she giggled and was done for. Absolutely. Oh, just funny as fuck. So he find he gets the better of uh, li- Robin gets the better of uh, little Dicky the wombat while uh, humiliating his stature all the same. But uh, not before trying to convince him that Bob can't be trusted. The master of games is up to something you know deeper than what he portrays, and it can't and can't be trusted. But it goes to no avail. You know uh, the fight progresses until uh, little Dicky the wombat finally gets knocked out of the ring. And it is down to both Ravens, uh, Cyborg, and Robin. So this three-on-one is uh, looking pretty easy. You know, it's a, it's a no-brainer. Uh, if you're down to just by yourself, and well, you got to fight yourself as well as uh, the two of the more reputable Titans. Then, okay, that's it. I'd forfeit too. You know, I don't want any part of that shit because nobody wants to feel a doctor like. No, and and so Raven does. She's like, you know what? I'm just done. But the master of games won't let her quit. No, she's trying to leave. Like, she's forfeiting. All of them are saying, dude, she gives up. That's it. And he's like, nope, nope. She has to stay in and fight. And they all want to know what makes you know her so special for the rules of you know forfeiting, disqualification, anything like that, not apply to her. Uh, so that's starting to drive her a little mad. In which case, uh, the flickers on the inner demon. Uh, light on the inside of her head and uh, things don't uh, go so well for Raven at that point uh, she levels right the hell back up and uh, she starts the fight towards Robin, Cyborg, and Raven yeah, now her demon also gets tripped up on a red crystal on the ground that you start seeing powered up uh, the regular Raven sees this happening as well and actually unleashes the power of the white Raven Luckily enough, she had uh, enough to do that power, like, especially by herself. Robin and Cyborg were thrown out like nothing uh, for her. So uh, she came to, but she's like, how did you, like, you know, expel the demon like that? She's like, oh, you'll, you'll find out later. You know, really nudging towards her capability to do it, which is really nice. Um, however, that raven uh, lets uh, the littler raven know that, you know, I think I know what all this is about here. Uh, things are starting to add up as she notices the red apparatus that was, you know, tugging away at the demonic essence earlier on. Yeah, now uh, the big cyborg does decide, they figure out, hey, we're going to find the frequency, we're going to break the glass and bust out of here, in which the big titans do so, whereas the little titans, the go titans are like, hey, how'd they do that? And instead burst out into a dance party. What was really weird, the language that Starfire was using. Like, what the hell happened there? Uh, I just, maybe there wasn't English words for what she was trying to say? Possibly. Uh, she could have. She was speaking Cameranian? She was possibly still mesmerized by the Robin and, like, the Robin of the alternative dimension and reverted back to Tamaranian, yeah. quite possibly. Um, they all. She wanted that, to learn his English? Yeah, they. That's possibly it. Uh, so they all think that, well, they just made a lot of noise. Boom, the glass shattered. So we may as well try the same thing. Yeah, they start up a dance party about it. 
hilariously enough. Uh, so the original Titans managed to uh, tackle down on the Game Master, uh, telling him it's over. You know, things look to be safe and ready to go from there. But that is not the case. He ports off of their, he ports off of them and uh, closer into the ring uh, to where the Ravens are. And there are a couple of a uh, big boy hands coming out of the ground right about now. Like a, a two trigons, both the dimensions. Everyone saw this coming. Yeah, Games Master is uh, Danny Trigon. You studio audience applause. And Big Triggy makes his appearance. Uh, now, he is missing a leg. But he's uh, kind of caught back there. And um, Phoebe and Cy, they, they poke fun at this like almost immediately. I thought it was uh, absolutely hilarious. Uh, <laughs> just making fun. And he did that like weird Teen Titans go animation wobble thing, and then they just cut right back to staying still. I love that shit in the cartoon. And the Trigons do disappear with both Ravens. Uh, We're going to take this quick moment to give you the Batman sound effect, and we're going to be right back with the follow-up on what's going on as Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans. Uh, what else? We're back. We're back with telling that sweet, sweet tale of how Trigon went through great length and weird art so that way he can kidnap his daughter daughter I guess it's a fun little story of uh, Trigon using the Warlogog not only to traverse the multiverse but I'm guessing had a hand in uh, revitalizing the Trigon of old big triggy big T big triggy big triggy what up check out this big fist I made yeah, so uh, let me take a look here. Uh, did we get Hell first, or, we, or do we go to the Starfire song first? Oh, well, totally varies. Because uh, we're currently just getting into uh, Raven being kidnapped by her dad, and uh, amongst all else, revealing the big Triggy. Beast Boy and Spalborg making the tripod name jokes, tripod and all that jazz. Oh, and Trigon using de- uh, Raven's Demon Essence to bring uh, a big Trigon into physical existence and once completed the rule of the multiverse with the use of the Warlogog even still. So, um, amongst all else, a uh, little countdown has started uh, in the big rig they got hauled up to, and uh, the Trigons escape with both Ravens, uh, leading uh, just the alien ship left to self-destruct and destroy everything within it. And somehow, there isn't any mention as to how any of the audience, if there really was one, had escaped. Yeah, it turned out that the audience was just a hallucination by uh, uh, by Danny Trigon. God damn it, Danny, Danny Trigon, you made me worry about people that didn't even die. Son of a bitch. So the big titans threw the baby titans by the same method as earlier, right? They did the whole uh, frequency thing, shattered the glass, and uh, they made a daring yet hilarious escape, uh, bringing them back to the tower safely, except for the wombat. He just comes crashing down fucking Acme style and he flattens like he just beefs right on the freaking uh, roof of uh, Titan's Tower. That flat T roof. Just lovely. Yeah, he's even seen like grabbing his own shoulder and popping it back into place. That's very concerning. 
So on the roof of the tower, the Titans are over, uh, they argue over their fault differences, but they eventually come to terms um, that, uh, you know, retro reference musical number, of course, that they're all Titans in the end. Uh, this musical number here was just a fantastic little uh, intro to their characters clashing with one another and uh, coming together. It uh, all just fills the story better, way more better. Yeah, I've got it listed down as the star song, like the Starfire song. Starfire song. Yeah, she was pretty much the lead of this song. Oh, more or less. The fantastic voice for six The first Starfire voice is really good. Uh, but from here, you know, it turns out that the Go team wants Handsome Robin to lead. It makes sense, primarily since all the little Robin has are uh, reasons I'm better than you arguments, and that's just by saying I'm better than you, which clearly isn't obviously the case. So uh, inside the tower, uh, Titans Tower, the Teen Titans Go are just so hyped that even with a teamwork with a new team, they just need to save Raven with no plans, um, no means or anything. Um, they just uh, They just need to go. And so Robin's just like, oh, fuck, somebody say, go, Teen Titans, go. And they just jump out the fucking window. Like, yeah, much of the confusion of the big Titans that are like, you just said go and just ran out of the room. What's the plan? <laughs> well, we said go. <laughs> Another one of Carrie um, Payton's like, finer funny moments in this movie is just a slow rise of the head. Are you coming? Like, they should know what's going on. I thought that was absolutely adorable. Again, Carrie Payton, the MVP of this entire film. God bless the man. But, you know, this is where we get to see a little bit of fun being had in hell. Oh, yeah. As the Ravens are like, you know, you've got two hands on us. What if your nose gets itchy? Who knows? You could get thirsty or worse, parched. And I am the ruler of hell. I do not get parched. And then his starts getting dry. And they're like, they're like, all right, okay, we we know it. That's fine. And it just starts. The impression sets in. The influence is on him, and he starts to pucker in and licking his lips away. (laughs) He just beckons for uh, Danny Trigon like he's a fucking dog to me. Appears he's like okay, we seriously gotta we seriously gotta work on what to call each other. We know what to call them, but they didn't know what to call each other at the time. This is literally where Danny Trigon calls the other one Big Triggy. So he goes on about uh, you know he's hard. Procure me a soda, and Danny Trigon actually has like that. He has that you know good dad vibe. He's like um, I think water would be better suited it's more hydrating in the case of, and like you don't expect serious trigon to snap back and say no i want a soda boy that's he popped up a large from his world yeah which is the size of uh, i guess his eyelash and he's like larger let's let's keep it going and he keeps building up until it's like the size of like a fucking cargo truck and so he's all right with it. He's uh, trying to get, he wants 
he's trying to get it to his lips and shit, right? Because he can't let he can't let go of the raven. So he's like, "You must place it on my lips, and you must let me drink from it." <laughs> he expresses the dire, uh, just the, the dire importance of uh, the mission they're trying to accomplish, and uses that to rub in his face for him to feed him the soda, right? And so he keeps trying and he keeps bungling it, you know, poking his face and shit. And it just keeps going over and over again until uh, Big Triggy has enough. And he snaps it out of little Trigon. And he's like, I'll do it myself. And uh, Trigon quenches his thirst. He's finally succeeded after all that. He's gotten the soda. He used both hands and he got both the sodas. And he sure showed his daughters that he doesn't have in his hands anymore. He's all like... Uh, they emperor's new group, right? But like when they're about to go over the waterfall, they pretty much so. Daughter's not in my hand. Yep. Daughter's escape, right? Definitely. Fuck. And uh, of course, as they're making way up to ground, uh, you can hear the uh, disappointing fellow from uh, Sirius Trigon from Big Tricky all the way down uh, in hell that's apparently just beneath the streets of Jump City. This is when we come back to the cyborgs, Beast Boys, and Starfires. All hanging out in Titan's Tower. Uh, the big ones are training. They're doing push-ups, sit-ups. Uh, the go team's like, yo, you guys just need to learn how to kick it. And you cut the big starfire who's like who's not only doing leg presses with their couch, but then decides oh, no. oh, yeah. to kick it. <laughs> yeah. We know how to kick it, and she kicks their couch out of the window. This is important because it comes back in a minute. Absolutely. The smaller Titans then decide, you know what? You guys just need to learn how to relax and have a little fun. I mean, this word that we keep saying, Whirlagog, is hilarious. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, what, uh, it's what Robin keeps, you know, planning about. It's what the Titans are waiting on. is a plan on how to, you know, find or get the Whirlagog. And they're all talking about how fucking cool that means. Down. And it does sound fucking fantastic. It is a fun word to say. So they get the big titan saying it, and it cuts into a song about the Whirligog. Just the word itself. I'll have you know, that is the greatest fucking song ever recorded. It is leagues above Night Begins to Shine. And it is just 30 seconds of them sharing a disco-centric version of just saying Whirligog over and over again. Because they don't want them to just say it. They want them to fucking feel the sound of this word and the only way it can be described is by feeling seasick in your mouth like it's a good thing so they go on to just make this radical and influential like uh, just intense ass fucking 30 second melodic feature and it's fucking I don't know how this stupid fucking musical number is so genius but just next with the fucking but not only that the song itself is just a setup for a punchline because big cyborg asks why did we just do that in which the answer is to pad out the runtime to pad out what screen time yeah just to make sure they got more screen time and then beast boy looks at them and goes now go get our couch <laughs> the most serious thing to happen in that scene was Beast Boy telling them to go get the furniture they kicked out the window. Oh, just monumental. It was probably one of the oh man, one of the best scenes in that entire movie. 
just the introduction of the warlord dog. Just the delivery of now go get the couch. <laughs> so menacing from Beast Boy. Uh, this is apparently is when the Trigon Thirsty scene happened, but after that we got the Battle of the Robin monologue. Oh, I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Uh, so Robin's up there, right? Uh, he's just monologuing to himself. You know, it's the kind of uh, it's the kind of writing that you'd expect from an episode of Teen Titans back when, and that's very much like the Robin character, which. You know, we still loved back then, so he was just doing that, but in the Teen Titans Go universe, which incited the uninvited company of the Wombat Robin, and he started uh, getting in there and just after quoting serious words he was saying, and he's all like, sup, bro? Like, he wasn't doing anything. It's uh, like he was noising his noise when it didn't need noise. Yeah, and obviously the tall Robin was not a fan of someone joining him on his monologue. No, he kept on poking and prodding in about it. <laughs> and the larger and the larger, more superior Robin clearly uh, just kept wanting, he just wanted him gone. He just kept shunning him and shooing him away. And it, it was hilarious, you know, like a, a dog that's guilty trying to walk away, but, you know, just stands still every time you look back kind of shit. And uh, he eventually goes into the tower, but he tries to play it off as though he was the cool one in that scenario and that the other Robin is acting weird and that uh, they should really be weary of the counterpart. But given the experience they just had, like that magical moment in the song, that's fucking imprint shit right there. So those Titans immediately started getting along, getting in sync, and uh, they could act well as a team uh, often to do so. So they started showing off uh, various... Uh, different aspects in which they've managed to connect through, whether it be on a serious or hilarious level. Yeah, the three the three pairings were great. As It turns off that big uh, Starfire believes that they have all been... This was one of Shada's favorite jokes. I actually had to pause for for this one. Because they have been feeding their Silky too much of the garbage. And Silky starts throwing up for like a good 10-15 seconds straight. And if you look amongst the throw-up, a green arrow mask popped up. So that's what happened to Stephen Amell. Silky ate Stephen Amell. Uh, we then get some cyborg therapy in which little cyborg is convincing big cyborg there's nothing wrong with having a, a robot body. There's nothing not awesome about that. Thanks to the help of this cyborg, I'm discovering that this body is a gift and a burden. And he starts going all Will Hunt on that. <laughs> and of course we, we also get the Beast Boy Animal Off, where they become they can become a ca a kangaroo and it's Joey. I thought it was just absolutely hilarious that they managed to synchronize in such fashion. They're like, "All right, what's the what's the first animal I'd become?" I know what I've become, and they already know what's going down. That's just, you know, it's an instant initiative. That's just the instant reaction off initiative right there. Uh, Beast Boy clearly took the best route for himself. But uh, it was just nice to see how they were all connecting overall and how the Robins were clearly failing to get to know one another better. I gather it's probably because, like, baby hamster Robin type. No, I. I want to say there was another song somewhere around here. 
because it had the it was one with the two with the lines about this two cyborgs connecting uh, and bonding over their father. Oh my! Both their dads were horrible. Oh my god, that's uh, oof. that's a big oof right there. Uh, well, t- they finally figured out that you know, in order to defeat the Whirlagog of the Tall Titans world, they would need to find the Whirlagog counterpart of their world. And there's only one person in their universe who can have access to something like that. Somebody who can watch you while you're sleeping or, or awake. They know if you've been bad or good. It's so obvious. How else does he make it to all of those houses one night? Who? Cinema. And Beast and Cyborg fucking love it. (laughs) Absolutely. And the Titans are like, this is, no, this is just sheer insanity. So they managed to make way from there. Apparently, it's a set mission for them, but uh, the place to find the Warlogog, which they are well knowledge to, is the workshop of one Zenith. And uh, yeah. we obviously get like the coolest uh, shit going up on that because, you know, the Titans are baffled arriving at the North Pole. They're baffled by the other Titans' reaction to sneak in stealthily and take down both quietly like a serious mission kind of thing coming from the fucking uh, acne side of the Teen Titans existence and they're all ready to go in and they're just uh, the Titans of old are just standing there like what is even happening like why is this even real they don't know what reality and fantasy differences anymore no, and they're just blown away that not only is Santa Claus real, but you guys are enemies with him. Well, sometimes we team up, but we only really see him once a year for the holiday specials. It's a very complicated relationship between them because, yes, they are foes. Yes, they are teammates. And yes, they only seems to appear most frequently on holiday specials. I think there was maybe like one or two episodes he showed up in after that that weren't like Christmas related. I think one was uh, like the, the streak one when Robin had to do the different Titans and then uh, I don't remember other ones right off of that. But yeah, they uh, started making their way through uh, explaining all this and they uh, come up and they're dropping elves left, right, and center. Uh, they're they choking wanna... out reindeer. <laughs> well, they blasted the shit out of that reindeer and, they scr- and Starfire screamed at the top of her lungs. But as for the elves, though, you take them out quietly. They have no time to respond and go, like, uh, accumulate more elves, which is apparently a thing for them. Yeah, Robin puts one elf in a chokehold with the go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. He fucking fucking murked a Christmas elf. He murked a Christmas elf. Where are we even, like, going with this now? It's absolute madness. Um, So... They're finally closing in on their target, right? They get by everybody, and uh, Robin's got uh, you know, a taser out for some fucking reason. So they're creeping up, and they hit a tripwire, and that's it. Santa was apparently ready for their arrival in regard to uh, their means to steal the Warlogog from him. It was, a, a ne- it was inevitable, I guess, because any other time that they encounter him, it's only for holiday purposes. So why the fuck would they need the Warlogog 
but I can understand his need to want to keep it safe since it's pretty much primary source of power in regards to uh, time and space travel. Yeah, and it's not Santa Claus that they have to deal with. Oh, no. It's his wife. Absolutely. And uh, in the fucking, uh, like, same voice from the VR, I guess, uh, does pretty much just fighting game intro. Mrs. Claus. Oh, no. Mrs. Claus was my mother. I'm Megan. Okay. Okay. This brings up a couple of questions right away. If Mrs. Claus was her mother. Yes. And her mother then would have, of course, married Santa Claus to get that title. Does this make Megan Santa and Mrs. Claus's daughter who then married Santa? Hard to say. Hard to say for certain. That really that really puts a that really puts a good point on it. Shauna from across the room is saying maybe Claus is like the last name Smith in the North Pole could be a married woman referring to uh, Chris Kringle's like birth mother, but apparently, apparently we don't know who that is either, so that just throws that out of the water. So chances are you're probably right on it. And the other question I had as soon as this popped up is how loudly did my yell shut up Meg? Uh, oh no, she's Megan. If she were to shorten her name down to Meg, I would be all over that shit, but she would make it. And plus, she's the second most powerful being in existence next to Santa Claus. Well, it is time to get the Warlagog from Megan. And it's round one for them. But we quickly catch up with uh, the Ravens to know where they're at, because uh, I know they started their little walk along and uh, things have been going uh, rather hilariously as they play onto the fact that Raven normally levitating or floating somewhere or flying as opposed to actually walking or running and shit. Um, they make fun of that Teen Titans go style and, uh, and they throw a couple of fun little notches into the big Raven, but they're making to keep away from uh, their father who's so looking for them with like one of those uh, multiple picture slot wallets. And he's got like a Raven different foods in each one. And then there's like the bottom one is the scariest one of all. Actually, scares the dude off. It's fucking funny. But uh, they're making their way and uh, they're getting fairly close to uh, Titan Tower. So things may turn out well for them. Shortly after that, uh, we're brought back to the North Pole, which doesn't seem so cold since the entirety of the plot is on fucking fire. And uh, the uh, actual firefight itself on the inside is, uh, you know, the Titan blasted at with the uh, chocolate ammunition. Um, you'll notice that a little later on when Cyborg gets uh, nailed by, uh, I guess, a couple dozen rounds. Uh, but along the way there, uh, both the Robins are fighting off the clauses, and uh, it's uh, cutting it pretty close for both parts there. And uh, the other Titans are ducking away from all the fire, and uh, initially they, but the uh, Titans of old, they uh, utilize one of their battle strategies, which allows them to avoid a projectile fire entirely. And that's by knocking gears out of the ceiling and just running along on the other side and uh, finally beating our quarry from there. Uh, the now, in in a nice throwback in this scene, uh, some of the toys in the background actually resemble My Little Pony toys, which is a good throwback to the You Killed My Childhood guy. That's true. 
as well as also on the shelf are boxes upon boxes of toys of the invisible jet. Oh my god, that's true. <laughs> Which makes me want to know, are these just empty boxes that Santa's handing out to poor kids? Yeah. No, because there would still be a toy on the inside that you couldn't see it. So their hands literally had to be on this toy the entire time, or if they put it down somewhere, their lives are fucking they could go roller skating down a flight of stairs. So it's a double-edged sword. So, so. But it's now time for a team-up maneuver as the two cyborgs decide to integrate themselves together and become a glasses and a parent and a nose. What did you think of that little nod towards uh, cyborg being a former football player, that slow-mo bit where he's got the posture going on and he's pretty much just... Uh, Catching and receiving uh, the warlogog away from uh, this clause that blew through the air. You know, she's all like, on, she's on the ball on this one. She's like, my warlogog and cyborg's like, yeah, bitch. Uh, into his palm, and you know, the Titans are up one interdimensional utility. They are, and, and that is what uh, inspires them to become the Groucho Marx glasses and nose before realizing this isn't what we wanted. The two cyborgs were the were the uh, hanging boogies in the, in the nostrils. I thought that was actually hilarious. Like that was just a goofy little brow humor, but it was a nice little uh, touch for them to take. So they unfused and refused into what they were uh, purposely meant to be, and they mentioned uh, an interdimensional uh, vehicle of some kind. And uh, there was plenty of room for all the Titans. It looked like just fucking awesome, and it was raring to go. The only problem was how to turn it on. Nobody apparently even bothered to stop and think how they're going to activate this device and get it up and going. And uh, little Robin just has that, who cares, fucking zap it and go. It's a very, like, wily Coyote destructive plan, but it seems to take effect and they manage to, you know, put the pedal of the metal and enter into the bleed. Yeah, it was a nice interpretation of the bleed with just different doorways to all the worlds. Uh, I thought it would have been really cool if we would have seen like Wave Rider or maybe like Booster Gold or something floating around in the background there. Absolutely, kind of like a crossing card, and then there will be like uh, younger uh, multiverse travelers, like those who have been in the multiverse before, tra- uh, just going through the bleed and shit. Uh, and we're like uh, John Stewart, you can use the likes of uh, Ray Palmer, all that shit, uh, Cal L, whoever. And just make it like a crossing the street bit where it's different dimension versions of these guys have them split apart from a speeding vehicle that are flying through the uh, tunnel of existence. Maybe even show like the hero wave rider as a crossing guard. See, I'd like that shit. I'd totally be behind that. Uh, however, you know, they do get their portal open and Mrs. Claus does chase them through. And this is where we started seeing the different worlds of different Titans. And the first one, of course, made me laugh so hard because it's a shout out back to our season one that we did last year as we see the animated Titans from the season one of the DC animated universe. Yeah, they landed, uh, they landed down there and it looked so fucking seriously smooth. Uh, I did think that they would put such a serious inclusion into this as they did it. We got the best of all worlds when it came down to uh, animation relativity, you know, just overall aesthetic for them. And both Starfires melt over Nightwing. 
order. Think of every teenager in that specific animated universe melted for Nightwing. <laughs> but it was just a great add to the running joke of not only did the ghost starfire melt yet again, but now the big starfire is melting as well. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> the uh, uh, classic uh, Titans Robin finally knows how this Teen Titans go Robin feel. And they're both like, we got to get out of here now. So they're up and about, and we're starting to get uh, alternative inclusions, which are, uh, uh, some of them are relatively familiar throughout the movie, as you'll notice, a lot of them are uh, like Teen Titans Go based, but it's still nice to have those memorable figures come back for a large group inclusion. I'm just glad that they didn't decide to include the Teen Tyrants in this one. Yeah, they did include the Baby Titans, as or as I wrote them down, the Scotty Young Titans. <laughs> those guys fucking are a bit fucking uh the 1980s teen titans cartoon they uh, even did a, they even did a touch on the silverish comics too yeah honestly. that's the next one i wrote down is they had, actually had a comic page panel titans and then we got the steampunk titans that cyborg and beast boy wanted to see earlier as well as the mermaid titans i thought that was just absolutely cool just a nice little other custom touch to it i mean sure beast boy can be like any aquatic animal, but I guess he's definitely just being turtle boy. <laughs> With the top hats and the goggles on the top hats. I like how I, I like how Cyborg looks. He looks really cool. Uh, then they decide they figure out well the Robins do that. Hey, our Mecha Cyborg vehicle has one thing Santa Slay does not have. So Breaks. they do. A- they do a Dewey and lead her back out that way and on the straightaway backward from when they came they hit the brakes I think like maybe a few yards in front of it and the sleigh just went crashing into this dimension and eat, and into their own personal hell as they crashed into a ball in September and this is when we get yet another Robin monologue he has a lot of monologues with Robin here which is a real funny joke just about the original Teen Titans Go cartoon. Or, sorry, the Teen Titans cartoon. Absolutely. And, of course, the little Robin, as, as usual, one part that tries to squeeze in on this. Usually getting shunned and shit. And this one, we cut back to Big Triggy, and things are starting to go his way. Yeah, the Ravens make it to the dock leading towards Titans Tower, and, uh, you know, they're giving it their all and making their way there. But they finally get cut off and overwhelmed by both uh, Danny Trigon and uh, Daddy One Leg. So uh, kicking around there, they manage to uh, snatch up the uh, classic Raven. And they're trying to get uh, Teen Titans Go Raven to submit her demonic essence to the Trigons. uh, Otherwise, that they would kill her. That's clearly intended. So you you have to admit the thought of like t- taking her life and shit over a superpower that she doesn't even want uh, that spells itself out right well we are going to find out that and more as we are about to take our last break and then we will come back with the conclusion of Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans we're back at it with the last part of uh, the Teen Titans, Teen Titans Go in the feature. 
And uh, so we've just got up to the point where uh, both Ravens have been uh, trying to as it were. And uh, finally getting a hold of them, finally getting uh, the last little bit of Raven Demon, uh, the Trigon take full form, and uh, he's rising up there. Uh, a portal happens to open up behind him. Uh, and in the portal coming out where all the Titans on the uh, giant cyborg machine. And if we get my favorite line of the movie, absolutely my top choice of all lines in this movie. So, what up, Big D? I brought the check out this giant fist I made. And he just blocked him on. I don't think I've laughed harder during this movie. Than <laughs> yeah, just the introduction, the sell of it was. Uh, it, it's Carrie Baden. That's uh, that sums it all up. There, it's just it's Carrie Baden. And, uh, uh, again, it proves Carrie Payton is the MVP of this movie. He's the MVP of everything. He did good. Well, this is when uh, you know Big Triggy does get his hands on the full demon. Yeah, so getting all uh, getting all done up and all that jazz and all the Titans where they're at. Uh, the Trigon now completed is absolutely baffled and seems to be in some form of concern because of the doings of the uh, smaller Trigon, Danny Trigon's help. He's uh, pulling it down as an absolute failure because everything didn't go off as he wanted to specifically without a hitch. But in which case, they are finally both there together, regardless of the two teams with the full power of the, de- of the demonic essence that they needed to conquer the multiverse together. So they should have absolutely no worries or no problems because there are two teams, well, one and a half teams of Titans. And- yeah, and, uh, you know, Big Triggy does start mocking Danny Trigon, saying, no, you're just a little joke. You're the bobblehead version. I don't even need you. So he's clearly not enjoying uh, this uh, demeanor whatsoever, Danny Trigon. You know, he doesn't feel appreciated for all the help he put forward into it. And he still sees himself as like, a, you know, that helpful father-style figure. And that's all he was doing was his best. And he gets put down for it. No, Danny Trigon ain't having, nothing, ain't having any of that. So he fucking cannibalizes the uh, multiverse counterpart version of himself. And once he uh, assimilating uh, the the original Trigon into him, uh, he winds up transforming into a being far surpassing the power he had uh, initially had, uh, especially accumulated to this point. Uh, he became a uh, being anew, uh, really doubled up in size, doubled up on the parts, real emphasis on the doubled up on the parts part, but uh, gained a lot of power. <laughs> he had two butts. He had two butts. He had four nips, two butts. Good lord. This man had absolutely everything to him, but the, but the just primary feature on the him was two butts. And, you know, because there was two Trigons put together, you know, Tri being three, when you times that by two, it's six. He shall be known as Hexagon. So, getting to this, uh, getting past all of their um, little uh, banter back and forth, as hilarious as it had been, um, the plan was not just for those Titans to face against uh, uh, this new villain Hexagon here. Uh, the Titans seem to have had enough time, I guess, while transcending various parts of a time and space, I guess they would. Uh, they managed to visit everywhere and say, hey, we have this multiversal threat and we can't do it without you. And so they managed to rec- 
recruit every universe they happen to have visited or at least is out there so that way they can call upon the force of enough Teen Titans to stop Hexagon. And we're seeing familiar faces come back, everything from the DCAU uh, to uh, all the way to like uh, just the uh, Teen Titans go variants and uh, even uh, the uh, classic style like comic cartoon aesthetic that they had. All of those guys happen to join in and we got a fucking ascension for this uh, sweetly animated uh, fight between the Infinite Titans and uh, the Hexagon. He's still too powerful, so uh, some plans need to be made clearly on how to beat him, but they seem to be taking to him. Uh, each category of Titans just going at Hexagon with everything they got at like various points of him. It made for uh, it made for a lot of fun in watching what they had in uh, what they had in store for him, like as a collective unit, especially when the lot of Beast Boys turned into fucking piranhas. It makes no sense to turn into one, right? And he clearly showed why by doing so with every single Beast Boy who clearly saw the same thing just on one go. Yeah, I myself was waiting to see all the cyborgs form together into like a giant mecha cyborg. And even the Protein Titans were there. <laughs> the Protein Titans. Did you notice the Beast Boy on that Earth was just a regular human? Yes. I thought that was the funniest shit ever. That was absolutely, uh, that was absolutely like slapping. Uh, I couldn't get enough of just the fact that he was the biggest one out of all two. <laughs> and then there's Robin. Tweet, tweet. <laughs> or Starfirefish. I thought that was pretty creative. Overall, it was just nice to have them there, actually, you know, just even if they're made up on a go. Well, regular Teen Titans Raven uh, confronts, you know, Happy Raven of the Teen Titans Goverse, who even calls Beast Boy handsome. Absolutely. And she's putting up the fucking flirt storm on this guy and her humanity's kicking back in and she just, she feels normal, you know, a great burden's been taken away and uh, she just feels good about it, regardless of the situation. So going on during this fight, you know, she's just walking around enjoying how colorful shit is. And then all of a sudden there's this giant fireball of death. And she's like, oh, well, that's good. That's good. It's nice to see so much vibrancy and fucking horizon, you know. But that is not clearly the aesthetic they're going for as a ventricular. So uh, these boys, luckily enough, uh, squirming by in time and, uh, you know, pulling her away from it. Like, yo, mama, what's the dealio? Why are you just like standing there and shit? Like she's clearly she's clearly out of her head, but still mesmerized with the fact that she's no longer any part demon. Yeah, and uh, the other Raven does have to confront her, and like, look, you have to absorb every other Raven here. You have to eat them, like Trigon did. And she's like, well, why can't you do it? Because you're the only one whose jaw will unhinge that big. Absolutely. Uh, initially, she was a very, you know, no thank you. I really don't want that burden ever again. But Raven had to point out to her that uh, the entire time she wanted the demon exercise so she wouldn't hurt anyone else. And now she sees what the exercise demon is doing to everybody else. So with uh, that in mind, she takes her uh, she takes her accessibility to Terrence and Philip like animation and starts, uh, I guess, by their standards, uh, just a uh, constantly taking in the essence of the various ravens taking it yeah I, I wrote it down here as i'm going to quote you from my book here raven has to eat herself do not google image search uh, <laughs> it's just a bunch of chicks having a having a need off and the last one uh, 
last one standing. No, that's the the one who gets a bunch of golf girls just eating each other. I mean, we've all searched it now and then. Don't tell us you haven't searched up weird shit. You know, Shauna. The weird shit, Shauna. (laughs) Jesus Christ, Shauna! Your fucking your donkey fights and your and your telepathic cashmere and and your midget luchadors. Your midget luchadors, Shauna. Shame on you. Shame. She just turned her back. She's not even paying attention to me anymore. Oh, we'll come back. We'll, we'll be shade. Shade. Well, this is when the essence of the ravens or the flock of ravens they come have together. all combined. Yeah, they, they all come together. Yeah, kindness is a fantastic name for it. Uh, they really went, uh, they really got creative with this one to end it really settled in uh, as a demonic name, you know, demon, not nice and all that, but uh, it's ironic enough that it's going to be used for a force of good, so we are going to get like a nifty little showdown between the uh, combination of the unkindness versus hexagon, and there have been some mighty shots traded in this one. Uh, This movie has uh, become like super action-packed, like right off the cut of it being hilarious. Um, So they do have like a little bit of a kerfuffle from there, but uh, it winds up that Hexagon is enough strength and a uh, use of uh, traversing a multiverse to be able to stick her head into this universe that's all encumbered by water and he's trying to suffocate drown her and shit. It's uh, actually pretty clever, especially since he managed to accumulate such knowledge on how to use this power in a short amount of time, I guess. Uh, unless they've been like secretly plotting away and training with the Warlogog for quite some time. Either way, it still works for their benefit. So uh, they need to think of another plan, and the, and the classic Robin's like, well, why why are you guys needing plans from me? We're like three plans in right now. Like I'm just I'm only human, you know. And uh, I thought that was a little giggle moment there, uh, just on the how they rely on Robin's plan so much. Um, but uh, the uh, Teen Titans Go variation of you know planning for something is to just you know go do shit, explode, whatever that whatever the case is. Uh, and uh, that actually uh, helped out quite a bit. Um, like in the long run of it, uh, they managed to do like a, I think it was the final blow actually, like later on in the film that uh, they managed to utilize because of that mentality. Glad it played out so well. Yeah, a friend Raven needed help with the tugging of war. I remember that, that's right. Uh, they figured that they needed to just uh, crack, the de- uh, crack that uh, crystal or whatnot and uh, make that Raven's demon. Uh, Raven's demon back, um, and since she was losing uh, that fight there, uh, the Robins took to that front, and uh, they managed to throw explosives and start causing distractions to Hexagon and shit. And uh, they really became like a, a prime target for a lot of aggression there, and uh, for hating each other so much, they managed to blend so well in like uh, all that roof running. Oh man! Uh, so when the time came where uh, they had uh, been a uh, tugging of the war and uh, all the uh, different universes getting in on it and then just uh, pulling Raven Demon out of the uh, cracked uh, crystals. Uh, it was uh, just a nice display of uh, their ability just to sink and vibe and you know connect with one another regardless of how many there are. They seem to all connect as Teen Titans. And uh, that, was a, that was a deep cut in regards to just like uh, overall uh, character pushing uh, and uh, you know just work the best angles they can with the, that specific team of five heroes. 
Yeah, and of course, uh, they have their moment where they send all the other Titans off, and then they start having their one-on-one moments with each other. Which was uh, which was pretty nice. It's a uh, very uh, TMNT of them. Um, anytime they do multiversal crossovers, they do that same thing. They always have those, uh, you know, face-to-face confrontation goodbyes. And Robin was awkward, hilarious, and I thought it was very touching for them to leave Daddy Tri- uh, Danny Trigon in the zombie first. Yeah, sending him to the Titans version of the deceased verse. Uh, fantastic. And of course, this is when we cut back to Titans Tower. And Weird Al's dark side appears. Oh my god, yeah. The, like, the credits were going, and then they were just like, yeah, no, new threat here, and these Titans just, no, no thanks. Like, they don't even have a Warlogog to call anybody, and they already just finished up with something. Their day is spent. They're having absolutely none of this. And it was our nice little second inclusion of Weird Al Yankee. Not only that, but they took some great shots at movies in general as they're just sitting there reading and playing video games, looking out the window. What's going on? Oh, he's being a jerk and he's got some bugs flying around. What's going on now? Oh, he's setting up a a big tower. Oh, look, he's got a sky beam. I bet it opens a portal. Hey, it did open a portal. Bunch of dudes are coming out from the portal. I called it. That was absolutely hilarious. Uh, And then a parademon goes splat on their window. Yeah, in case people didn't get the fucking message of what Darkseid's about, I don't see why anybody wouldn't get it, but even still, it's a nice little period at the end of the sentence. And that is the end of Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans. Uh, highlights for me include the uh, some of the songs and the Easter eggs in the songs. I talked earlier about the two cyborgs singing about how much they hate have their shared hatred of their dads. But in that same song, there's a line between the Beast Boys where one's talking about how he's in love with Terra and the other one's like, yeah, my Terra's dead. Yeah, but... I kind of figured they'd touch base with that, but I don't see w- as to why we wouldn't have at least gotten Terra in the movie somewhere. Just solely for that kind of interaction. You know? I bet it would have been awkward, but you know, it, it was a nice story that was told in that uh, rendition of the Teen Titans, the whole Terra Slate arc. I really liked uh, how they like hit that whole thing off, even if they did have to rename Destro the Terminator to just Slate. Yeah, all in all, I thought this was a really good movie. Uh, not as funny as last week's, but still damn hilarious. So, yeah. Uh, Teen Titans Go to the Movie definitely has more hilarious, like, uh, nudges and puns, but uh, the ones given to us in this one are ones you would never forget about. Uh, their action scenes have, are nothing short of just inspirational. Uh, that hexagon fight against uh, the unkindness was uh, just monumental. It really gave you that night to shine vibe. Uh, really touched uh, nicely down on that with the whole like dragon, demonic like joke and uh, old-fashioned stuff like uh, night joking and shit. Coming from the demon to that which is really weird but it's, you know, demon versus demon in this aspect so the aesthetic part just really killed it. Especially when he tossed this giant fucking like energy act into the Titans Tower that universe. <laughs> Even the Robin's like, come on, why the fucking house? It's just a giant, you leave it alone. Fucking, fucking, love the reaction to that. 
but uh but all in all super enjoyable had a good time watching it and uh this of course leads us into our next four weeks of films uh yeah yeah the look yeah i'll probably forget all the like subjects for them but i'll look them up yeah the one you gotta remember for next week is of course superhero girls superhero high Two people did this. I blame you. We took this as a personal challenge. You kept us in the red zone. And now look what we have to do. Well, look at that. All you have to do is wear the flame in the face things and wash your ass and wipe your hands. I think I said that right. Yeah, I said that. Ah, it sounds about right to me. Uh, any closing thoughts going out of this week and into the next, sir? Um, it certainly is going to be a colorful DC universe the next time around. Uh, well, the last month pretty much been colorful DC universe pictures, but uh, I certainly can't wait just to get through this next month here. You know, April's going to be chock full of uh, awkward animation, I guess, but it's still very appealing. Yeah, these are four films I have not seen at all, uh, so I don't even know what to expect going into them. Uh, I'm going in with a very superhero squad mentality. I can only wish for that, so if my wish comes true, then uh, all the more appeal to it, I'd say. And if not, then we have something to complain about. Definitely, and um, there's one place you can uh, see, uh, well, there's a couple places you can see us complain about various things like that, or even, you know, just kind of talk up and uh, work up the hype on things like that, and that's on our socials now. So, uh, myself, you can find me at Mize1987 on Twitter, and I'm uh, at one man Mize on Instagram. Uh, you can get me up there, just see what crazy shit I have to spew out today. Whatever the case is, it's all fun. It's all fun in the sun, you know? Uh, Jay, where are they finding you and Sean at? Well, of course, they can find Shauna. Uh, six Space Hair on Twitter and Sick Little One on Instagram. As well as, of course, Mookie Stuff Buddies and Gluten's the Devil as well for all your gluten-free cooking needs. Me, myself, you can find me on Twitter at ClownyJ or you can find my official t-shirt at whatamaneuver.net. Uh, you know, folks, we've been kicking around ideas for t-shirts. Let us know the kind of shirt you would wear for this podcast. Totally down for uh, some appealing aesthetic, especially, you know, my face. If you want to wear my face, I'm totally down for you to wear my face. Seems like a pretty good idea. But if you want to hear of a grown man squealing with a scary face, then uh, you can check out the Horror Haven. That's the underscore horror underscore haven on twitch.com. And uh, he's streaming every Monday, Wednesday, Friday nights at 8 p.m. You can catch him playing classic horror games uh, from yesteryear. You can catch them playing up-to-date stuff. I mean, Resident Evil 8 is going to be right around the corner, too, so if you want to catch up with them and uh, catch them playing that, too. And uh, again, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Monday, Wednesday, Friday uh, at uh, 8 p.m. Park And, of course, if you're in Hamilton, Ontario, and you got to pick up your comic book needs, head on down to the 725 Burdens Comics on Barton Street East. Grab your weeklies, set up your pull files, tell Gary that we sent you. Absolutely. And say hi to Bobby. He always likes hearing that the word's being spread around. Always has the best deals, especially on weekends, especially no tax deals. How cool it can get, really. So uh, if you're in the area, if you're in the city in general, just feel free to go on down there and uh, check out that selection. Pick if you want. 
And until next time, my friends, wash your hands, wash your balls, wash your ass, wear your mask and sanitize, keep them meat cheeks safe, and we will see you next week at the same pod time. That same pod channel, I think.